Hi everybody, this is Khaled back again. Today is January 26, 2021 and we have... Carol Vance in the house. <laughs> that sounds good. Cool. So we, today in this series we're going to talk about what is humanism. That's the, one of the big questions that come up a lot. Um, if you Googled what is humanism, there's a ton of, tons of stuff out there. But uh, what we will do for our podcast sake, right, is to look at uh, this particular website, humanism.scot, S-C-O-T, it's out of Scotland. And they have a little outline, we like it, but there are tons of stuff out there, don't rely, I am, and in fact, every humanist will claim I'm not the authority. Nobody is, that's part of the magic of humanism. Correct. Well, I mean, if you wouldn't be a humanist if you thought you had all the answers. That's right. <laughs> hence we, you know, the bad of it is hence we are not as organized. Right. Maybe we can change that over time. All right. So the one big piece of being a, what is humanism is humanism promotes ethics, not ethics based on a book, not ethics based on even your parents, all the cultural norms, ethics based on you being able to process what sense of your own sense of right and wrong for that moment and for the time. Sometimes they call it situational ethics. Like, look at that moment. It's not as simple as, you know, killing is wrong. It depends on who you're killing and why you're killing. Or anything, if you take stealing is wrong, and then the question is depends why you're stealing, who you're stealing it for, what is the goal you're trying to accomplish. So it sometimes comes out of situational ethics. But the ethics itself is to, to be able to think. So for me, in my own sense of ethics, is to think about what is the best thing that I am most at peace with, that I can live with, or I can get up in the morning and say, you know, it may not be the right thing or the wrong thing, but it is the best thing in my path. What is it ethics for you? Well, what is ethical as a humanist for you, Carol? Um, for me, like you said, it's kind of about right and wrong in the right situation. Um, it's, it's about doing the right thing for that situation, regardless of what a book or a teacher or a preacher or anyone else tells you is right and wrong. Uh, it's doing what's right for you and what's right for the people around you and what makes you happy and doesn't harm anyone else. And, and, you know, the, the wording here says the greatest possible freedom compatible with the rights of others. So even if, if something that I do gives me an incredible amount of good feeling, whatever good feeling, but if it impedes yours. Right. Your own happiness that doesn't harm others, I think, right. is, is the most ethical choice. Whatever you could do that doesn't harm as many people. Or any if possible. Or any if possible, right. Right, and not alone just any humans, but any life forms, you know, earth, Right, animals. it's not just human life. Right. Because we're all interconnected. So that's a big piece of what is ethics. And I also grew up with, you know, to wrestle with, with ethics. Right, because there's, sometimes there is no clear answer, so the ethical thing is to figure out what's the right test. Not the right, the right test. Or the, or the best test, right? Because right. you never know. It's right. not right or wrong. It's the best. The best of the worst situation sometimes is the only thing you have. And, and, and to be able to comfortably wrestle with, like the, I can see the good in this decision and I can see the, the not so good in this decision. 
and decision B, seeing it both ways and owning that, but doing the best you can. So for me, the best is very, very important because I'm not right nor wrong. Right. So basically, somebody once said, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah. that. So just be your best self. So, and, and not just for this time era. Right. Like ethical decision, looking into the future. We can't change the past. But, you know, so this is where humanists tend to be um, environmentally very, very, very friendly. They become part of your expression to become environmentally friendly to because we are interested in the future. We don't want not to have an earth for our children. Right. The planet is how we live. And, and if we're so busy living the good life now that we ruin the planet for the next generation, what exactly does that make us? Right, and the and the ethics piece, oh, it makes us oh, <laughs> killing the petri dish is what I say. So it's it's not just that piece of doing the best thing at the moment, but also knowing having the best outcome is enough, not a reward. Right. So reward and the the contemplation of it is what I think separates humanists from from theists. Right. So where there is no reward, I'm not interested in hell having, you know, or fear of punishment right. or favor of heaven. So neither of these influences my decision making as an ethical human being. It's like, no, let me give me every information you have, every party that's involved, even the grieved party involved, and let me hear it out and make the best decision. And see, making the best decision takes us directly into the second aspect, which is humanism is rational you have to see all sides you have to see all perspectives when you go in like for example me as a teacher when i go into the classroom while i want to help every student i can't help every student that's not rational i can only help the ones who want to be helped who are willing to be helped and i have to accept that as a humanist that sometimes you can't do everything and the right thing is the rational thing Right, you know, going back like one one step before I wanted to say it didn't come out. You know, the, the ethical is also behaving in a way, I kept using the word best, right? So here's the phrase I use. All of us are doing the best we know how at all times, given the resources available to us at that time. Mm -hmm. So there's this level of there's no reward or non-reward, but this level of I'm doing my best, I know how. So there's a piece of self-forgiveness embedded in that level right, because of nobody's ethics. perfect. Right. Be your even, best self. That's all you right. can do. Even if it's screwy later, you still get to forgive you because at that moment, you're using as much as you have resources accessible to you. Right. And so we went to rational, right? So rational also means give me every bit of information, every bit of data, anything I'm missing. What am I blinded by? What am I not seeing? I... I'm doing my best to be as open as I possibly can. But I, while I say that, I also completely admit that I am blind. There are things I do not see, cannot see, sometimes even will not see because of my own weaknesses as a human. And, and if, if with the right cajoling, with the right approach, I could be made to be seen right. or made to see. Made to see. Right? And I, it will not see doesn't sound right. But there are lots of things I cannot see. I have blindness. I'm male. I'm straight. 
Just these two are this amazing blinders for me that I'm going to miss out. So many human experiences just because I'm two of these. Just because of those two, let alone the other hundred. <laughs> Thirty. Thirty is what sociologists say. We Whatever. have to carry about thirties. <laughs> about but, thirty. Yeah, no, I get that completely. In my mind, like rational is is the opposite of taking something on faith. It's the opposite of believing what you hear. It's wanting evidence and finding it for yourself, and believing what you believe in because you've looked it up and you've researched it and you think it's the right thing to do at that time. And the idea that the world is a big place and the answers to how the world works is, is not in any imaginary place. It's something we can figure out and it's something we can build on and we can use science and we can solve the world's problems with human minds, not with other minds, not with outer minds, not with alien minds. That's right, extraterrestrial or right. out of human superpowers, right. super, superpower not as in a country, but some God powers that that will solve our problems. You know, I'm not against uh, being at all. I don't, there's, there's a lot things. of reason to be in awe and awe, <laughs> but I don't, I leave awe as awe. Right. It's like magic. I like to be awed. Right. But right. you know it's magic and you know in a way that it, it is what it is. It's not fake or it's not. So to some degree, I don't want to, the, the, the magic to be dispelled. I don't want to know the right. trick, right? So I, I remember. But you do awe. know there is a trick. There is a trick and to that's it. the thing. I like the awe, but I don't attribute the awe to God. Right, exactly. Or leave alone God. God makes people uncomfortable to a higher a, power, a higher power a superior being, and all that. I simply stay at awe. Right. And, and that awe helps me propel. I think it's human nature to be at awe. Going to the Grand Canyon was at awe. I was a believer when, when I was at the Grand Canyon to be at awe and I closed my eyes to do my meditations and then at that moment I'm like, wait a minute, when you're in heaven itself, why close your eyes? It sounds so poetic to me, like right. you see and it was an amazing experience to fully be in that space to watch the stars, like felt like it was a close up because you're way down at the bottom and to be at awe. So there's a sense of awe I enjoy. I don't know why a sperm and, 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 uh, and an egg can meet. It's I'm at all. But see, I think that's part of the deal. I think that as a humanist, we get to experience that awe because nature created itself. It created itself in the things that we are in awe of. And because people from another perspective might think it was created by a higher being, they don't get the awe. They don't get the awe. They attribute it to right, like, oh, the God maker. made that. Yeah, it's great. God I'm is like, so great. Well, that's great, but you've given up on all the possibilities of being, you know, breathtaking by the awe of something, anything. Yeah. So the danger happens when, when you are at awe at wonderful things, then we don't generally, even peers don't go into awe when bad things happen, when the plague happen. We are like, wait a minute, right? Let's, let's not just pray on this, but let's do something about it. And right. that's when we look for data. I think as a humanist, whether whichever the angle, I'm always at the place of I want to know more. 
Absolutely. Teach me more. I'm always a student. There's a phrase that I grew up with as a kid. How much you learn is always as much as sand you can hold in your hand. Oh, yeah. How much you don't know is how much sand is in the world. And lately, talking about awe, to know there are more stars than sand on planet Earth, that blows my mind. Anytime I look at space, just even just look at it, let alone look at it through telescopes or through pictures of Hubble telescopes, it just blows my mind. So that's another second experience of being a humanist, to be at awe, at awe with human humanity, with creation. But see, we're allowed that awe because we have a rational mind and we know there's a reason behind the creation, an actual scientific evidence reason, and it allows our mind to be in awe of that. And, and search for an explanation. Right. Sometimes. Quite often, search for an explanation. Right. So that takes us into the other piece, right? So what is... There are many humanists who gather, doing a little bit. So there's a there's a thing about democracy. We all know democracy is not perfect. It is. We are still experimenting it in the United States and a couple of other countries. But you know, a little quick human history, right? When we were hunters and gatherers, how did we um, wield our powers? You know, the, the the strongest arms and the tools we had, and then we had villages, and we had, and then agriculture came along. And we had kingdoms, you know, where was power and how was power wielded and what did it maximize the first principle, right? Uh, the principle of ethics, right? Did it maximize or did power and, 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 and resources get stuck with the few like the kings? That didn't go so well. So we have come up with something similar to some form of democracy, a constitutional democracy in the United States. I like that, that simply... Democracy ruled is not necessarily the best thing because you have to include ethics in it, right? Majority of the people are against certain ideas like uh, same-sex marriage. Right. However, when you take it to this, the ethics of it, like take it to the Constitution, nah, two adults want to be married and have... Freedom mi- is freedom, baby. Have misery together. Yeah, right? <laughs> marriage is to, misery. Right? They have, they're at it. So humanism, to a large degree, has said... You know, let the power being in the kings, let's move it to as many people as possible, right? Right. To decision-making powers to as many people as possible. So in general, they tend to support human rights, whatever shape or form it takes. If there's a group out there in general fighting to exist, whether they like that group or they value that group in their personal lives, you support it. You support human rights work. And you support uh, democracy, right? Any form of democracy that gets rattled in any kind of way, you speak up. Right, such as it is, and and you try to defend its position when you can feel it's being lost, uh, whether this country or another country. Any human. Um, Any human. Or any (laughs) non-human. But also, but like you said, you, you... As a humanist, you step in and put yourself out there for what's right, even if it's not something you agree with. People's freedoms, people's right to make choices, people's right to live the way they want. Even if you don't agree with the way they're living, it's their right to live that way. Correct. And it doesn't harm me. Right. As long as they aren't harming anyone, then that is honestly the only law that should matter. I'm not an LGBTQ member, but I've been an ally over the years. 
I don't, still don't get it. I'm still learning. I'm still watching, but I show up. Right. I'm, I'm a white lady from California who has <laughs> gender issues and teaches at a black school in Montgomery. So I'm not sure. I mean, like, you just have to do what's right. That's all. I mean, it seems simple. And, and, and strive for it, right? Right. Strive. So I like the fact when you said, um, you know, democracy anywhere, even within relationships, even within family. Absolutely. Just because you're the parent doesn't mean you should have all the power. Right. And what does distribution of power mean in that place? Right. Because Children have some say, not right. all the say. Power, just like in, in a government relationship, power corrupts. And if the parent has 100% of the power, it makes them a does, tyrant. Does not, doesn't it, bode well at all. It's not going to raise good kids. <laughs> That's right. Also, at the same time, I remind my children, this is not a democracy. No, it's not a democracy, but right. not some a, form not I a want to hear dictatorship. <laughs> right. It's not a dictatorship either. Right. Somewhere in between. <laughs> Somewhere in between. Because if it's a pure democracy, if I had three kids, parents have yeah. no say. So they're like, oh, oh. And then there's a component of human liberty in humanism. What does personal liberty mean? And not just personal liberty, but somewhere in there, it lends into what is the, the, the social responsibility. Right, so that. it's not just your own responsibility and your liberties as a, as a human. happiness. Right, and, and search of your own happiness and your own well-being. But it's also recognizing the fact that we need other people in our lives to be happy as well so that we can live well. If, if you're surrounding yourself by people who aren't being well taken care of, then how are they going to take care of you? So it, it's a circle. You have to take care of others as well as yourself so that they can take care of you right. as well as themselves. I've always seen that as a yin-yang. Yes. While there's an individual responsibility that is incredibly important, individual liberty that's important and valuable and, and contributes to its larger society, there is also such thing as a social right. responsibility within this. The individual response liberty cannot break away a group responsibility. In, we are, in, you know, far more powerful as a group. As a as a pair, as 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 a city, as, as opposed to an individual, and that's one that's of the right. reasons that that things like religion can push so hard because they are a group. That's right. Wow, didn't ever think about that. That is correct. Right. So, in in order to come back from a more positive perspective, we need to have individual happiness, spread that happiness to others, and then as a group, come spread together that further to further. That's oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Right, and then you know the the website here talks about it's undogmatic, imposing no creed upon its adherents. Love that. Those words are beautiful. That we we do rely on each other. We depend on each other. I have as much freedom in this world in the United States, especially right, because there is a policing, there is a road system, there is a traffic. There are laws that I can count on. And if I can't count on on this, how can I have my Individual liberty, right? Liberty, happiness, freedom—it's all connected. They're your connected to responsibility and to the safety. group. And if you don't feel safe in your personal liberty, then you're not going to feel happy, and the whole group thing's going to blow up. That's right. So there is the, the the this discussion may or may not have been held healthily in in some groups, yeah. and it's a whole topic that had like those who go out and commit mass suicide. Right. They're so alone in it. Right. And, and societies punish people 
in every society, punishment is go to your room as a kid, right? Yeah, isolate, the, isolate, isolate, isolate. Ultimate punishment in a society is isolate confinement. Isolated right, we confinement. take those that are troubled the most, and we, when they're kids, we isolate them in their room. When they're adults, we isolate them in prison cells. Um, I mean, or we ostracize them from society as a whole, which is just the same thing. It's, the same it's isolation thing, yeah. from the community. If you're not part of the community, you feel very, very isolated. And it's sad. People commit suicide. Right. Uh, one of the few things I ask when I work with the homeless people is, how lonely are you? They'll look at me like I've lost their mind. <laughs> and then I'll sometimes, like, they'll get, if they get uncomfortable, one of the few things I do with my colleagues, how lonely are you as that position? Right. In that position, how lonely are you? They're like, oh. my boss will talk about it. Like, how lonely are you as the president? She doesn't like to talk about it too much. But she... But she, that's a lonely position. It is a lonely position. Most of our jobs, we are super duper lonely. In fact, if you ask me how lonely are you as a husband, it gets deep on me quick. Yeah. How lonely are you as a father? It gets lonely on me super quick. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And, and I can ask the same thing too. Yeah, I can feel spouse. that pretty deeply. Because of the way we live our lives and, and the amount of, um, I don't know, dedication, maybe is the right word, that we give to the different different parts of our lives, it feels very separate and very lonely sometimes. Very lonely. So loneliness is an amazing, uh, uh, weird, very common in individualistically, like our society, Western societies right. tend to push and promote individual liberty so much to the point there is a place where you're so individualized to the point you're so incredibly lonely. I wonder if that fear of loneliness is what keeps so many people going to church even when they're no longer religious. That's so not just church. Oh, not when they're no longer religious. Ah. I know of, a, of plenty of people that have lost the faith in the religion, but they still go for the community. For the community, the fear of being alone, fear being of loneliness isolation so maybe that like like the website says that is also a piece of humanism it's we're the alternative so if you want the community and the love and the support but you don't want the religious side of things humanism is the way to go right and begin organizing right so as the, the middle tennessee humanist humanist is in middle tennessee we spent some energy on supporting people to organize call a meeting within their community find some folks out there to do it. And that leads to what they're talking about. It's some all right, good. Mm -hmm. like we, let's create, we do believe in communal activities, uh, getting together, sharing each other's lives in a very deep fashion, you know, our struggles. I have a little set of questionnaires that eventually we'll put up when we do the website on the things, how to follow the format, at the humanist website Hampton H A M T N has some uh, things you can download to use if you want so choose to organize. Um, so there are tools to organizing. Right. So organize. I mean things like that. It starts small. It starts with one people, one person, and a friend who then brings a friend, and then all of a sudden you have hundreds. But I mean you start small with That's one other point. person. Right. Like you and I have done. Right. right. We have a third person, and we'll keep growing. Yeah. Yeah, and the idea of being able to value a human potential as opposed to godly potential. Right. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the idea that we value what humans are capable of. We value humans as the higher power. As the best expression of right. humanity as opposed to uh, getting a prize by going to heaven. Like, just not, instead of looking at it like we were created by something, let, let's, just, let's just go with we are. We I are. <laughs> we are. We are. And, and we create one day at a time. Right. Right. It is our world. No one else is. That's right. It's our world. We know now. We feel the earth now. The earth is ours and we belong to the earth. Um, so the other piece, a lot of humans also tend to be incredibly creative. Something about when they set themselves free from this piece that, that has hindered them from being as open as they possibly to their humanity, to their human emotions and expressions. They tend to become creative. I dance, I, I write poetry, I like to write short stories. Sometimes I like to bring difficult, you know, Einstein is a humanist and he talks about if you cannot explain it to a child, you haven't got it yet. So a lot of these complicated topics, I am trying to break it down to be simple, talk to my nine-year-old and 12-year-old about it. And I think, I think that trait is probably in most people. I think that Just it's is. drowned out by 12 years of public education that, that destroy... <laughs> or any education. <laughs> ...that destroy creativity and inquisitiveness and sort of kill the curiosity. And by the time you're an adult, you're, you're so on the train of what it is to be an adult that you don't, you don't allow yourself to take chances or be creative or... You just don't allow yourself anymore. So we so in sociology there's something called culture consumption and then there's culture production. I think every human produces culture, we we create culture, but if we forget that, we become only the culture consumer. Exactly. We fit in, we we purchase spend money. We, we all like the same songs because that's the song that's popular right now. That's what we all buy likes. the same shoe because that's the one that's popular right drink now. Drink the same beer. Yes. <laughs> Be careful, people. Don't drink the same Kool-Aid. And then the last one here they've talked about is the maximum possible fulfillment. Yes. I love this one. It's... When I think when we put this together, the question of what is the meaning of life dissipates. So I get questions of that nature asked of me a lot. What is the meaning of life? You've said all of this. What is the meaning of life? And I often say, you get to define it. You get to create it as you deem fit today. Right. Because tomorrow when your mother or your father dies or when you fall in love, or your sibling dies when you have a child. Every major life event that takes place in your world, at that moment, the meaning of life gets redefined. Right. For you, as you deem fit, at that moment. Right. If you, if you deal with the fact that your life is birth to death, and that's it, then why wouldn't you spend your life trying to be as happy and fulfilled and satisfied as possible? And, and so dogmas often say, you know, upon your death is when you'll have real life and you'll have all of this there. But when that is removed, right? when that reward is removed, what you have today and now is all that you have. Then every breath is taken in with gratitude. In fact, it's a yoga exercise that I tell people to do. You can try it now, right? Think of the word thank you and thank your breath and notice what happens to your breath. 
It got deep. It got deep. Just saying thank you to the breath. Just acknowledging your own breath. Thankfulness that it exists. And that you so can breathe, everything that becomes alive. A, becomes alive. That's it. Everything, every expression, your breath, your choice of words, and how you communicate with people, within which the question of what is the meaning of life disappears. Right. Because us here is the meaning. Us talking yeah. and thinking and feeling Ooh. is the meaning. You got deep that when you said us here is the meaning. Right? We are the meaning. We're living wow. the meaning. We are living the meaning and we get to give expression to it, whatever and that seems right. If you're one of those people that just really needs to consider what's left behind, well, kindness is what's left behind. People remember your kindness. So somebody had done a study on that, right? <laughs> Studied, read thousands of um, obituaries. What were people remembered for? Kindness is the most remembered thing. That's what comes up. I didn't have to read the obituaries. I know, know this. A hundred years from now, people don't remember the time so-and-so said, cuss this or F that. They remembered kindness and courage. That's what they remember. Kindness and courage. Kindness yeah. and courage. So if you want to be remembered and you're ready to acknowledge that birth and death is all you have, birth to death, then kindness and courage are what you should be focusing on. Yeah. I often think about, you know, I don't need to be remembered, but I've learned a few things. I like the world to have it. Well, see, that's the thing about kindness. It pays it forward. Yeah. You give kindness, the money, they turn around and kindness to other people. And so technically, the thing you've left behind, the thing that perpetuates and regenerates is kindness. Yeah. And it's not the reward. It's just There that. is no reward. It's in, its, in itself, knowing there is no reward, in itself feels so powerful. incredibly powerful. I was going to say satisfying. Powerful. Satisfying. All right, that's 30 minutes. That was amazing. And we will do another one. Yes. Um, and that will be... So now what? That will be our follow-up of this. Right, so in the next one, we will take a look at how do you know if you are a humanist? And then if you are a humanist, what now? Right, and, and to, if you've heard this podcast and you're like, you know, I, I'm feeling these Maybe guys. Maybe I am a humanist. Maybe I am a humanist. And then we'll discuss about, so what, what do you do now? What do you do now? Yeah, what's next? And that's we talked about that as a title. You're a, so you're a humanist, now what? So you're a humanist, now, now what? what? Okay, thank you all very this much. This was great. Awesome. See you next time. Bye.